I am so glad you're tuning in for this episode of Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views of life extension from around the world. If you are like me, you have been hearing about how artificial intelligence is going to revolutionize research, medicine, and pretty much everything health and rejuvenation related for about 20 years now, with not much to show for it. Is now the time? Are the methods, software, and hardware now poised to make breakthrough after breakthrough? The founder of In Silico Medicine, Alex Javorankov, is working overtime to make it so. Listen in to find out how they are moving the needle on rejuvenation research. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, founder of In Silico Medicine, Alex Javorankov. Welcome to the program. Great pleasure to be with you today. Well, first thing first, how did you become interested in rejuvenation research? Were you a computer programmer or coder first and then kind of came along to the subject of aging? Or were you always someone who thought aging was a terrible condition that needed to be cured? Well, it's more later than uh, than anything else. So I um, got interested in aging when I was a teenager. And uh, I always thought that, uh, you know, death is something that uh, should be put as a priority in terms of uh, solving it as a scientific problem. But uh, unfortunately, I was born uh, in the former USSR when it was uh, dissolving. So I thought that would be more appropriate to immigrate to the West and uh, make a little bit of money first before getting into a kind of research uh, in a more hardcore way. So I started as a computer scientist, so I did my first two bachelor degrees in computer science at Queen's, Queen's University and in Canada and worked uh, in uh, software development and also in computer hardware and uh, semiconductors uh, for, for some time. So now those semiconductors are powering deep neural networks that uh, we are developing. Then I made uh, a little bit of money to be able to sustain and uh, transitioned into longevity biotechnology. So I okay. did my grad work at Hopkins and uh, then did, my, uh, did a few businesses and uh, I defended my PhD at Moscow State University, but uh, all of that was longevity-related areas. So it's, it's been a long way, but we finally got to the field fully, completely, and in the most dedicated way. And I guess uh, in, uh, in the broadest possible way as well, because we look at... Uh, pretty much every project Everything. on longevity. When was the moment that you realized that you uh, wanted to create in silico, uh, use AI to speed the process of aging research, drug discovery, and things like that? Was there just a specific moment where uh, you thought, okay, now's the time because the hardware and the software is capable, or was it something else? So it was 2013 when we decided to, when I decided with a few collaborators to get into um, AI for longevity research, because this was the year when um, AI started outperforming humans in multiple tasks. So in 2014, deep learning systems outperformed humans in image recognition. And uh, then you saw many, many, many proofs of concept where AI started outperforming humans in the game of Go and uh, uh, video games uh, and uh, in very difficult tasks, you know, voice recognition, text recognition. Uh, you know, AI has been around for a very long time. The term has been coined early second half of uh, the 20th century. Uh, the concepts of deep neural nets uh, are ancient, but it's only in 2014 when the industry really emerged. 
And I got a call from a few friends of mine at NVIDIA who said that, you know what, Alex, uh, you're doing great work in bioinformatics. Uh, why don't you figure out a way to apply it to, uh, to deep learning, to transition to deep learning, and uh, in the, we can invite you to NVIDIA GTC. So I thought about that a lot in terms of you know, how to uh, transition from bioinformatics uh, into deep learning. I uh, spent about a year learning about the field because, of course, I transitioned from GPU computing into bioinformatics, and then I had to transition back. <laughs> sure. So kind of coming back. Uh, and uh, in 2014, we formed Insilico uh, as a deep learning company because then we built up the expertise uh, first in uh, uh, in the analysis of massive uh, gene expression uh, data sets and uh, protein expression data sets and pretty much any biological data. Uh, we started training deep neural nets to predict age and other features, and then started to, making them, to, to make them more interpretable. And in 2015, 2016, uh, it's the real kind of renaissance uh, for us in uh, uh, deep learning because uh, we got pretty deep into generative adversarial networks and started getting into chemistry. So we got into the field actually not, not that long time ago. So okay. if any of your listeners are interested in uh, following our path, it's a, it's a very good time to do that. Sure, right. Uh, you know, and now you've been going for on your fifth year now or sixth year, uh, and it seems like you have been very successful. Many people are very excited to see In Silico uh, be a success because of your mission and because they are very interested in reversing aging. And some might wonder, well, what's the business model of In Silico? Is there a good revenue stream that will keep you going for five or ten years into the future? I know you contract with uh, some other maybe pharmaceutical companies? Do you get a lot of grant money or is it from your partnerships that you uh, tend to make most of your profit? So I must say that uh, currently we are using investor money to grow. So initially we got uh, the investments from some of the most uh, sophisticated people in the field like Jim Mellon and a company called Juvenescence, which is also a very emerging, very powerful player in longevity biotechnology. So their mission is to develop uh, drugs and longevity interventions uh, in a very credible way. So within the current frameworks, regulatory frameworks and business frameworks, so uh, we need to identify relevant protein targets uh, that are uh, implicated on age-related diseases. We need to develop, discover molecules for those targets, uh, uh, validate those molecules, validate the targets, uh, go all the way through uh, preclinical studies in uh, human-relevant models uh, and animals, and then uh, go into clinical trials. So okay. this process takes a long time, okay. but we are currently servicing Juvenescence first, so we have a joint venture that is developing longevity interventions. And also we created an ecosystem where we partner with pharma companies either on identifying protein targets or generating new molecules for those protein targets. So essentially supplying bullets to the war on multiple diseases. But at the same time, we started uh, servicing the startup community. So many researchers who identify the protein target implicated in age-related disease or in aging itself they come to us uh, to get a really good small molecule inhibitor or modulator. I remember reading... Yep. 
on your website about uh, uh, much research going into nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals, uh, these type of targets, uh, and it, that some of this is in the pipeline. Do you expect any human trials anytime soon, or are any of your partnerships developing human trials right now? So human trials will take some time because it takes uh, a while to go through preclinical studies, but uh, some of our molecules that we've fought uh, generated using GANs uh, are already in uh, preclinical stage, so validated in multiple disease-relevant models, and we're in animals, so I hope that uh, we'll be able to do uh, to go for IND sometime soon. Uh, our nutraceuticals are already consumed by um, over 100,000 people. Oh, correct uh, me if I'm so, wrong. Uh, did you collaborate on that longevity AI product that is out on the marketplace yeah. right now? Yes, of course. So okay. as an AI company, we are looking for every way to validate our technology in humans as quickly as possible and as safely as possible. So one of the strategies uh, we've employed to validate our algorithms and also to, uh, uh, it's, not, it's not really kind of a business for us, but it's uh, a major validation exercise. And also we wanted to open up some of the technology for consumers as well. So to get to the market faster. So we matched some of our uh, small molecules that we've generated for specific targets back to natural space supplements, something that is generally recognized as safe. And we've partnered with uh, a company called Life Extension. So they are a very formidable player in uh, uh, in longevity, and as you know, they're actually committed to the mission, and they're funding funding a lot of uh, uh, nonprofit research uh, in this field. Uh, and I'm pretty sure a lot of your listeners are consuming their products. Yes. So we launched uh, two nutraceuticals with them. One is a very kind of simple combination of uh, uh, nutraceuticals like uh, N-acetylcysteine uh, uh, and myricetin and uh, epigalactic ingalat uh, and the EGCG. So we, so, so EGCG and um, a few others, and basically the combination is supposed to reverse the senescent phenotype. So we've, we've done in vitro studies uh, and then launched that as a combination with life extension. And the second product is called Longevity AI. Uh, so they are the most interesting ingredient is vitiferin A. It's an active ingredient in ashwagandha. And we combine it uh, in a way that it is a little bit more bioavailable. And uh, Life Extension launched it, and right now a lot of people are taking it, including myself. So we wouldn't call it a clinical study because uh, there are very few readouts that uh, we can get from the market. So we actually developed a system called Young AI, which is used by many of your uh, listeners, many of uh, Longevity uh, community members. And we actually, since we're doing a new uh, round of funding with pharma-focused investors, they actually made us close this uh, resource uh, and we might resurrect it in in a few months as a separate company but with that resource we were trying to track whether the nutraceuticals uh, reverse your biological age or or not so we've seen some positive results uh, but we cannot make a claim there wow. so to answer your question we're not in human uh, clinical trials with these small molecules yet but with nutraceuticals they're already on the market we got some positive feedback. However, that's not enough to make to make a very tangible claim. So in in vitro, it performs very well. Uh, we've got some in vivo data, 
but in humans, uh, it's yeah. very hard to say. Understood. Yep, understood. Now, earlier you mentioned about biomarkers, uh, that you're trying to develop uh, ways to measure aging better, biological age. Have you developed anything that you can mention here? Maybe it's proprietary, I don't know. Uh, but something that's, like, say, better than the Horvath clock, for example? Of course. So it's hard to say that something is better than the Horvath clock because uh, all of those aging biomarkers are very different and serve mm. a different purpose. So they can be very complementary. Uh, we should never refer to an aging clock being better or worse than the other aging clock because uh, it does serve a different purpose and typically integrates different data and works with a different data type. So the system that I was talking about, Young AI, uh, it, it implements uh, and integrates three of our clocks that we published and several of our clocks that uh, people would kind of need to assume on faith, like uh, microbiome aging clock and, uh, uh, and skin aging clock, skin imaging. Uh, but what we published, we published a blood-based uh, hematological aging clock, so where you use uh, either uh, a 19 uh, marker panel or 33 marker panel or 43 marker panel. So those are very, very simple and commonly used clinical uh, markers like albumin, glucose, alkaline phosphatase, glucose, urea, cholesterol. So something that you would get from your GP when you are visiting for a regular visit. And actually some of the members of your community are much deeper involved in the quantify itself and they collect yes. uh, thousands of markers, well, hundreds of markers. So we use uh, something very simple. And the reason why we decided to use very, very simple markers is because uh, there is lots of uh, historical longitudinal data available in public repositories, well, not even public repositories, but uh, collaborators' repositories in hospitals, and that data is anonymous. Uh, so you can come and train a deep neural network to predict the person's chronological age using this data and later see whether this marker is biologically relevant. So typically you do that by evaluating how it performs in terms of mortality prediction, so all cosmotab mortality or specific uh, cosmotality, and then also how it correlates with the various diseases, with the health status, and with other biological aging clocks. So we developed so far the hematological aging clock. Uh, we also developed microbiomic aging clock. Uh, we developed transcriptomic aging clock. Transcriptomic aging clock is about four and a half years accurate if you're talking about blood-based transcriptome. It's a little bit less accurate if you're talking about specific tissues. So we think that individual tissues, tissue clocks are extremely important because uh, our tissues age at uh, different rates. And uh, it's important to capture the rate of aging of individual tissues. And uh, uh, we, of course, also integrate epigenetic data. So Stephen Horvath's uh, clock is very complementary to uh, great uh, to what we do. Thinking about that, using uh, the GANs to predict age, um, I was wondering, just off the top of my head here, if more people start using products or taking therapies that roll back their biological age, then is it going to be more difficult to uh, the clock for the clocks, the aging clocks, to predict? Uh, how old someone is? I mean, right now you news, use can use anonymous data and you just figure that most of the population is not doing anything too dramatic to roll back their age, you know, to rejuvenate. So it's probably a good sample to use. But in the future, in the near future, maybe more and more people are going to be in that sample who have taken some therapeutics that roll back their biological age. So then does that kind of play into the uh, development of aging clocks? I did. 
so you you are addressing a very good question. So to answer it, I must say that um, if uh, we also know what the person is taking, so we know a little bit more information about the person while keeping the person anonymous, the more relevant and more accurate the biological aging clock becomes. Because then we will be able to actually also sure. test it on the various interventions. We will be able to exclude some of those people from the training set and use them as a test set, for example, to see if those interventions are reversing the biological aging clock. And uh, in most of the cases, we already have pre-trained networks that are trained on millions of records. And uh, uh, those are relatively healthy people. And sometimes, uh, of course, in this mix, you've got people who are sick, uh, who are disabled, who are of uh, uh, various genetic backgrounds. But uh, when you have a lot of them in the, in the data set for training, the networks learn to generalize and uh, you still get a pretty good accuracy. So as a matter of fact, the more uh, outliers you get in the training set uh, that is very substantial and you've got a very balanced uh, uh, data set with uh, as many different cases that the deep neural network can learn from, uh, the better the marker becomes. Yeah. So now we also are creating highly multimodal deep neural nets that uh, integrate multiple data types. Like we can combine uh, imaging data with uh, blood biochemistry data, with activity, with even a psychological profile. Uh, so you can have uh, many, many data types about yourself uh, that the network can learn from and then look at the most important features that contribute to the predictive, uh, pre 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 predictive accuracy, but also to the various uh, health outcomes. So those aging clocks actually are a very, very, very important and the relevant tool for health, health research and for the pharma pharmaceutical industry as well. Because, you know, when you're testing a drug, uh, in a population and you actually don't know the exact mechanism of action of this drug or the off-target effects, it's very valuable to measure all the clocks there are to get this kind of data point, the biological predicted age, and directionality, right? So if, for example, you're taking a drug for asthma and suddenly your microbiome looks younger <laughs> consistently, well, most likely that drug works on a microbiome. Yeah. So it is very, very important to have as many cases as possible, as long as we know about, you know, what the person is taking. And one thing a lot of longevity members want to know is, what's the best way that they can help in efforts such as yours, where you are trying to develop a lot of new longevity and rejuvenation therapeutics? Uh, what can they do? Uh, thank you for asking this question. So, of course, they are already helping out by being on longevity, so uh, by being interested and being involved with your community. So reading the news and uh, uh, keeping up to date with information, that's extremely important. But in the case that uh, uh, you are someone who has great technical skills, for example, machine learning, uh, deep learning, uh, any kind of uh, great coding experience, even if you are a good designer, you can get involved and uh, uh, either as a volunteer initially or uh, uh, if you are an expert, we can uh, uh, definitely hire you. 
Uh, we typically hire competitively through hackathons and competitions. So typically trying to uh, hire best people in the country where we operate. And um, my recommendation is to go to Coursera and learn uh, uh, and take a few courses in data science and also bioinformatics and chemistry. So my recommendation is not to leave your current job uh, if, it's, uh, if it's interesting and if it's very well paying completely immerse yourself in uh, longevity research because you know if i had a chance to go back in time 20 years and uh, when i made a choice to leave ati technologies and uh, completely focus on uh, longevity biotechnology you know if i could go back i probably would have made a different choice so i would have stayed with the company and i would have uh, contributed differently to the field because of course gpu computing is extremely important for ai uh, you can steer a large company more in the direction of healthcare if you're involved. And my recommendation is to do what you are doing, but also educate yourself in uh, data science, uh, chemistry, and uh, then look for ways to work for companies like ours or start your own. Uh, because nowadays it's a kind of wild west and uh, terra incognita when it comes to longevity uh, there are very, very many opportunities to start new companies and uh, actually make a business out of it and scale uh, without the industry around this uh, uh, exciting area. Uh, we won't be able to scale and progress because we're currently in the Internet era of longevity, right? So we're kind of in 1992 if you compare this industry to, to the Internet or we are in, you know, 2002 when it comes to social network or 2004 when it comes to mobile computing. We, we are standing kind of at the brink of a major revolution. So the more people join the, the effort and uh, start companies around uh, you know, a protein target or a specific biomarker or uh, a nutraceutical even or a health management uh, uh, company, uh, the better. Uh, my uh, recommendation uh, would be also to go into the pharmaceutical company, work your uh, way through the ranks, and then try to change uh, uh, change its ways and partner with companies like ours and uh, maybe incubate a longevity business within a big pharma. Great words of encouragement. Because there is always a way to integrate uh, longevity into any business. If you're working for Nike, you can integrate an aging clock into the shoe, right? To, be, right. to, to, to make an age <laughs> predictor there. If you are working for a furniture company, you can make longevity-enabled uh, furniture. Also introduce some more gadgets into the furniture to be able to track people's activity and to predict their biological age, to make them healthier, find a way to, uh, to use the furniture to improve their posture. Yeah, they, or, uh, you would never know yeah. where you can apply that type of you know, technology. It pretty much everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we live in exciting times, that's for sure. A lot of longevity members are very excited to see in silico medicine succeed in the future and will continue to watch your progress and publications. Alex Javarankov, thank you very much for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast. Thank you very much. Very happy to be with you and uh, um, wishing all of your members health and longevity and youthful longevity. Alex is not the first person to encourage you, the longevity crowd, to keep doing what you're doing. There is value in trailblazing the biohacker pathway to a healthier future. 
I look forward to reading about your latest efforts in the Longevity Forum. As always, exercise caution, of course, and try to test your biomarkers before and after any interventions. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.